Hi there, this is Brian Barnett with The Last Symptom. When I started The Last Symptom, I never in a million years imagined it would grow as it has. In these early shows especially, audio quality was often iffy, and there were references to services or online groups that are outdated and no longer in use. Great improvements have been made. Where should you go for all of the most up-to-date resources that I offer? TheLastSymptom.com is my permanent website full of free resources where everything is always up to date and that I encourage you to refer back to often. There are also a few modest paid resources at TheLastSymptom.com. These support my efforts and have allowed The Last Symptom to exist for as long as it has. These include one-on-one phone conversations with me one-on-one Zoom video calls with me, and perhaps most importantly, the Last Symptom Fundamentals course, which is a two-week, intensive, pre-recorded online video course that is far superior to things like DBT. The Last Symptom has a flourishing YouTube and Rumble channel where I publish regular orange slices, which are condensed video insights of five or ten minutes in length. If you're just now discovering the last symptom, welcome. I hope you will find every insight and resource you need here for authentic and permanent recovery from emotional disorders such as borderline personality disorder. Now on to the show. Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental health nor emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he has gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as they individually and personally choose while accepting full responsibility for their own individual thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares And by listening to this program, you are acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Happy Thursday, everybody. This is Brian Barnett, and you're listening to The Last Symptom. People keep asking me, what are the specific steps for recovering from borderline personality disorder? Listen, I I know what you want. You want a literal list of things you can do that you can check off and by the time you reach number 10 you'll be all better folks do you know what lists of this sort are good for they're good for selling books that's what a list is good for it's good for selling books a list isn't so great if your objective is to genuinely recover from borderline personality disorder Why? Well, because the cure to emotional disorders is accurate information, that is, education. And uh, education built not on just any information, but on accurate information, paired with insight. Now, though all the details I share here about borderline personality disorder, although they hold true for every single person with the disorder, or who will ever have the disorder, this education and insight must be applied to your specific entirely unique life story and your unique circumstances. 
your unique family dynamics. So how's a list supposed to help you see how the things I'm teaching you apply specifically to your family dynamics growing up? <laughs> People who are looking for a list of steps to superficially follow are after a magic pill. They want to avoid the work, work that is not really that hard. This lazy magic pill tendency really puts a hair in my biscuit. At the same time, I totally and completely understand it. Do you know why? Because not very long ago, I was the guy doing the same thing. I was doing the same thing. Tell me the first thing I need to do, and I'll go and do that. But my friends, and I, and I don't say that lightly, you are my friends because you're in a position that I was once in, and I want to see you come out of it. The what is not the answer to your problems. The answer to your problems is the hows and the whys. However, in the interest of trying to give you all what you think you want, and in the interest of helping you understand the nature of genuine recovery more clearly, I've put together a list that I'm going to share it with you today. I'm going to share with you the specific steps or stages in order that I personally experienced on my way to genuine recovery from borderline personality disorder. You see, the disorder itself, it's an ethereal thing, isn't it? An abstract concept that's intangible and literally all in your head. Yet there's nothing ethereal about its effects. They manifest visibly and physically in the real world. These two things together, the imaginary calls combined with the real effects, create quite a paradox for the analytical mind. It's a hard thing to get a firm grasp on in the beginning. I know because I wrote this script that I'm reading to you now from memory, from the memory of my personal experience. This is what the human experience of fixing things is like as we are accustomed to it with concrete visual and tactile feedback. So feeling lost as to where to start to fix an emotional disorder is perfectly natural. I myself felt the same way. But let me list here the order of steps or stages in the process of full, complete, genuine recovery as I experienced it. And maybe it'll give you an idea of where you're at in the process. Step number one, or stage number one, consuming information, but superficially. That is, lacking true insight. So I was able to parrot explanations like an academic professor, but without truly comprehending or having a deep, intuitive feel of what these explanations represented. Therefore, they lacked any genuine influence over me. So this was during the time where I was, you know, I was on, working under the risk of a divorce, and I was willing to do anything. Just tell me what to do, and I'll do it. Okay, read this. Well, I read all this stuff, and uh, it made sense to me. Logically, it made sense to me, and I was able to repeat that stuff. When a therapist would start talking about it, I'd, I'd finish their sentences for them. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about consuming information, but superficially. Number two in the stages of recovery for me was hitting rock bottom. And this was an imperative 
an imperative stage for my personal recovery. This is where one night I went out into a field and uh, I was looking up at the stars. My dog, Braddy, was out there with me. And the enormity of my losses, the enormity of, of the damage I had done came crashing down on top of me. And it crumbled me into a pile there on the grass. And I, I, I cried like a baby. I cried like a baby. And I hurt so much in that moment. I remember hurting so much. Uh, just indescribable. Indescribable. It was like uh, it was like I was being turned inside out. And you know, you can't take there's no medicine you can take for that. There's no bandage you can put on it. And it was at that point where the pain was so intense and my losses were so uh, enormous that I was willing to do anything, anything to never feel that way again. That was my hitting rock bottom. Number three, experiencing my first epiphany was the third stage. This is when a concept that I thought I thoroughly understood was told to me, probably not for the first time, and yet because of the way it was said, the timing of it, and the nature of the person saying it, I had a natural, genuine receptiveness to this person. Uh, you know, his manner appealed to me. This fortress wall, which had been shielding me from genuinely seeing, accepting, and absorbing truth, crashed down in an instant. It, it felt like a wall coming down, or uh, like a waterfall of realization suddenly washing over me. In fact, I'll tell you exactly what it was like. Have you seen these uh, computer-generated, hidden 3D works of art? The technical term for them is stereogram. And uh, while you're listening to this, you might Google one. The way it works is, it just looks like a jumble of design. It just looks like a, a jumble of collar and design. But there's a 3D image hidden in that. You know, it might be a spaceship, it might be a bird, it might be a, a gorilla, it could be anything. But you can't see it. You're looking at a flat surface of just these lines and these designs on this on this flat surface. Uh, but the longer you look at it, and the more relaxed your eyes become, your vision penetrates the 2D surface, and suddenly this 3D image becomes perfectly visible to you. It's like magic. You see, you believe you're seeing the thing as it is really meant to be seen, but you're not. And this is what the ignorance before an epiphany is like. You look, and you believe you can see it. But your mind is not ready to accept what is below the obvious. With these stereograms or hidden 3D art, your eyes relax and suddenly this dynamic image emerges. And the image is so plain to see, so clear, you wonder how you could have ever missed it. And I saw the enormity of something that just a mere moment before I had been completely blind to. I suddenly saw how the concept we were discussing was not a concept, but an undeniable reality about a subconscious perspective that I had been carrying around. 
which until that very moment I had been utterly unaware of having. And that was influencing my entire approach to life. I, I was so certain I knew myself. After all, I'm me. <laughs> Yet this epiphany, and there's really no other way to describe it, but as an epiphany, revealed that I did not know myself. I'd been living on autopilot as a passenger within myself, never questioning why I reacted or behaved, felt or thought the ways I did. Just going along for the ride. I was living with a stranger, and the stranger was me. I'm spending a lot of time trying to explain this stage of my recovery because I want others to strive to experience what I did. I, I believe very deeply that it's one of the single most important breakthroughs that must happen in recovery. When all the stuff you know becomes stuff you know, you really know intuitively, insightfully. And all it takes is just a single moment, just a one eye-opening breakthrough like this, which can happen in an instant, to rip off the veil preventing you from making authentic progress. Why is it so important? Well, because this one experience, this one experience leads you to question things. What else have I been oblivious to? You see, it opens you up to authentically, for the first time ever, being able to search for, discover, and accept more truth. It makes you hungry for more. Wow, this was hiding right there all the time and I couldn't see it. What else is hiding right there? Now you're a, you're a, you're a newly motivated person. You're motivated in ways you never were before. You're hungry to know what you do not know. And before this happens, you're not that person. You're just superficially taking in data. The fourth stage was consuming information again, but this time from a place of insight uh, and enlightenment and from a place of genuineness. This is also when I began to suspect that much of the information from the professional community was erroneous. Before, I accepted whatever the professional community said at face value on the merits of their position in society. And now my powers of reason were being opened up, and I was able to pair new knowledge and understanding to direct experience, my direct experience. I didn't need the quote-unquote experts anymore because they didn't know things that I knew, and they didn't know them how I knew them. Number five, years of meditating and contemplation. There's not a lot to say about this. It... Uh, it is the longest portion of recovery, at least it was for me. Years of meditating and contemplation. It's the most boring stage to describe. You see, after a while, the law of diminishing returns kicks in, and there's no new important epiphanies or information to be obtained from external sources. So at this point, recovery involves ruminating over what you now know. So now you've learned all this stuff, and now you're just living your life, connecting dots. You're applying what you've now learned to your specific history, your specific story. 
and you're doing it in the light of this new understanding you have, and you're analyzing your childhood and all the years you were growing up from every angle imaginable. And this takes time. This is when you start achieving a comprehensive understanding of borderline personality disorder, the broad, complete picture of how it came to be, how it went unnoticed, how it affected every aspect of your existence, a comprehensive, complete, authentic, intuitive understanding. Number six, discrediting the professionals, <laughs> the experts. After five years or so of just going on about my life while ruminating and contemplating, I had a complete picture of borderline personality disorder. The puzzle pieces were all in place and they were fitting in their places without any wrangling. What this means is that uh, my explanation for one aspect of the disorder did not conflict with my explanation for another aspect of the disorder. But instead, every single part harmonized. This is what I'm referring to when I talk about comprehensive understanding. Everything must harmonize. And uh, it's no surprise to me that the when you go into a bookstore and you look up uh, this subject, two books will say entirely a different thing. In fact, one book will contradict itself 15,000 times throughout. Throughout one single book, you'll get 15,000 contradictions. One author, or maybe, you know, five authors, all of them colleagues uh, working in the psychology field, and they contradict each other 15,000 times throughout one book. My explanations don't contradict each other. Test it. Test it. Go through all my podcasts. Go through my articles. See if there are any contradictions there. There are not. You see, I reached a point where I could see how one thing directly influenced another thing and how everything was related to everything else. And once I got to this point, it wasn't difficult to see the clear falsehoods the professional community was selling. Do you remember what I listed as the first stage of my recovery? That's where the vast majority of the professional community, the experts, currently are. Their understanding of the disorder is superficial. The information you get from most of them is parroted. They intellectually obtained information, which they then intellectually pass on to you. Maybe you're wondering, well, don't you have a psychologist to thank for your epiphany? Yes, I do. But I had to go through 15 psychologists before I found him and started getting accurate information, real answers. Additionally, this was a psychologist who entered the field because he himself had recovered from a similar disorder. Do you pick up on the importance of that? He himself had recovered from a similar disorder. That's why he knew what he knew. This is a very relevant distinction, and it's the reason I recommend that if others are going to search out for a therapist, this sort of personal experience should be a requirement before they get the job. Stage number seven, recovered from borderline personality disorder. Education is what cures borderline personality disorder. And I know this is impossible for a lot of you to understand, but there's really nothing much more to it. Education and insight. 
undoes the root cause of the disorder, which are the two subconscious distorted core beliefs I'm always talking about. And uh, they replace those beliefs with new beliefs that reflect reality, and reality reflects emotional health. You see, that's what education does. It, it pulls you out of ignorance, and it informs you. And once you're informed, you can't slip back into an uninformed state. Recovery from borderline personality disorder is not like alcoholism or addiction. That is physical dependence. But this education can't be limited to head knowledge. It has to be accompanied by authentic, comprehensive understanding and insight. Stage number eight. Depression. Depression was the last thing to go. You may be wondering why, if I was free of borderline personality disorder, for the first time in my life, would I be depressed? Because new clarity and authentic understanding bring with them the ability to see the true, tragic nature of your losses. The true, tragic nature of the harm you caused to people you, you cared about. And the horror of its permanence. It happened the way it happened. And it can never be undone. In my case, I destroyed relationships with those I care so much about. I, I still dream about them. Innocent and good people who genuinely cared and loved me. They were the last people on earth who ever deserved to experience betrayal such as I put them through. And uh, this just takes some time to come to peace with and to accept. The payoff is that all of this, all of this is followed by a sunrise and the start of authentic contentment and emotional health. Now I should explain that the depression I experienced at the end of my recovery was not an unhealthy type of depression. There's different types, you know. There's a depression that makes you feel bad about yourself. And then there's the depression that makes you feel bad about what you did. That is, about what happened. In other words, my depression was a necessary, healthy, constructive healing stage that I had to go through. A profound sadness for what I could not have prevented and that now I couldn't change. As well as regret for what I did to everybody. But minus any blame. It may be difficult for some people to understand, but I don't blame myself. I accept responsibility, but I don't blame myself. There's an enormous distinction there. You see, I was ignorant when I did those things. I didn't know I had borderline personality disorder. I didn't know what borderline personality disorder was. I, I don't think I had even ever heard the term before. And if I had, it didn't stand out. So how could I have prevented what happened? I reasonably could not have. And once my eyes were opened, I made every effort to eliminate the disorder causing me to do those things. So there's nothing to be ashamed about there. Quite the contrary. You see, destructive depression is not based in emotional balance and health. It exaggerates the negative, And it causes you to beat yourself down non-constructively. It accuses you night and day. It's like a wagging finger 
you see, in your face. It makes you question your inherent self-worth. Constructive depression, by contrast, does not beat you down more. No, it recognizes the good parts of yourself, while at the same time making you accept the bad things you've done in the correct context. That detail is important in the correct context. It causes you to mourn for the things you'll never be able to change, but it doesn't rob you of hope for the future. Folks, that's the show this week. It was packed full of good things. I don't even have time to tell a joke or to tell you about my vacation to the beach. I'll do that next time. Until next Thursday, this is Brian Barnett signing out. As always, thanks for listening.